0: LA is vast, vibrant, simultaneously stunning as well as challenging and confusing. At Together LA, this city is our passion. We know that loving LA well starts with listening, pounding the pavement in search of the individuals invested in the flourishing of Los Angeles. These are the inspiring stories and real life interviews with the men and women who work to bring the gospel to LA in their unique ways. Thanks for joining us as we bring you closer to the heart of LA, one story, one voice, and one neighborhood at a time. This is the Together LA Listening Tour.
1: Well, good afternoon, everyone. Today, I have the greatest honor of meeting a new friend, Dr. Malika Graves. So, doctor, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, and thank you for the invitation. Well, you know, I think a lot of times, hey, I've gotten a chance to know your husband, Wilfred, but now we get a chance to talk with the better half, as I told Wilfred.
2: I like you already.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh, Dr. Graves, where's home for you? What neighborhood do you live with, uh, living in L.A.?
2: So currently I'm living in Cerritos.
1: Oh, very nice. Now, with Cerritos, have you, were you born in L.A., born and raised in L.A.?
2: Born in L.A. proper, like actually true L.A., because L.A. has lots of different sections and sectors, but born yeah. in L.A. and yeah. um, l- grew up around... The uh, Crenshaw area, like yeah. the Baldwin Hills Mall or Lambert Park area, was around where my home was, like around New Park Baldwin Hills.
1: Very, very good. And for you, talk to me a little bit. You're now a medical doctor, but there was a unique journey to how you got to talk to me a little bit about your career path, life journey for a little bit.
2: So for me, I am what's considered and like an alternative student in that. I became a doctor after having a career first. Now I'm a graduate of UCLA. And while I was there, I was pre-med, but then decided that I wanted to take a break from school, quite a rigorous curriculum. And I started to teach, Yeah. enjoy teaching. And I was a teacher for five years and did some administrative work for a couple years, but still felt the call and the pull, pull to uh, medicine. And so then, I actually retired from teaching, and took some coursework to become more competitive, and um, took my MCAT and applied to medical school, and then went into medical school from there, Very and um, and graduated from Michigan State University. Went in knowing that I wanted to be a pediatrician, and I have been practicing as a pediatrician since.
1: Dr. Graves, what were you teaching as, as a teacher?
2: I was a kindergarten teacher.
1: Yeah, yeah, very nice. I have a friend who is a kindergarten teacher. My wife has been a first grade teacher for 19 years. Awesome. It is a unique, what was there, what was it about it? Because now you're a pediatric uh, uh, doctor. What is it about kids that you really enjoy?
2: Oh, there's so many different things because with kids, there's so many different phases. Of, of childhood like the newborns and the babies they're just they're just adorable they're just cute <laughs> and then um the the younger ones it's just how just it's fun to see how they are figuring out life and how you can just teach them and and help them learn more about themselves and how to interact and then the school-age children it's the same and then they're very honest and very upfront about about their thoughts and they can be more concrete and and then the the teens you can help them figure out kind of just their identity and going into adulthood and so each one of those phases is very is is something interesting uh, and something that i enjoy which each phase yeah.
1: dr graves when you were decided to take a break from medical school and uh, being a pre-med and that and be a teacher did you know that you were going to be a teacher? Did you go in with the intention and says, I may actually be a teacher for the rest of my life and not go back to the doctor? Or did you always know it was a temporary thing?
2: So the, how this happened was at a unique time when you were able to be a teacher on an emergency room credential. It's not like that,
1: like that now.
2: So where you can start teaching because there was such a great need, you can start teaching and then take credentialing courses as you're actually teaching.
1: So uh-huh. that is the
2: time that I actually got into teaching. However, I remained a teacher for so long because I really enjoyed it, got really it. knew that I um, that I love kids. And that shifted the type of doctor that I wanted to be. I went into medicine knowing that I wanted to be a pediatrician with an open mind thinking that maybe that would change. And it didn't.
1: Yeah. Did you always, like when you were a little girl, did you always knew that you wanted to be a doctor? And what was it about being a doctor that you just wanted to do?
2: Well, that was one of the things that I said I wanted to do. But I also had other things on the list. The doctor always was the main thing. But I was like, do I want to do art? Um, if I do I want to be an OBGYN was one of the things I was saying that I wanted to be. But doctor was always on the list. I say since about sixth or sixth grade.
1: Uh, Dr. Graves, you are much more impressive than I am because growing up, I wanted to be a garbage man because there was something I loved about rolling those metallic round garbage cans, putting it on the truck and pressing the lever and having it crush everything.
2: That is awesome. I
1: love <laughs> yeah. it. Uh, if someone was to ask you, all right, Dr. Graves, I'm sitting here, I'm hearing your story. You were a teacher. You could have stayed being a teacher. How do you know That the Lord is calling you to do something. How do I distinguish between burden, calling with literally what puts food on the table? Because you could have easily stayed there, made a nice career as a teacher, and then that's it, call it a day. How do you figure out what, how do you pivot and make the decisions? Because you literally had to kind of restart all over and go to med school and take your MCATs and all that.
2: I did. And it came with a lot of prayer. And I too was contemplating those questions that you just asked, you know, like, is this really something that, that I, that I should do? And for me, I prayed and I also kept having the same, the same desire. It was something that did not go away. And even though I was doing well as a teacher and it was to say that I was good, good at it, I just was no longer feeling um, satisfied in, in that and just felt like it was, it was time to, to make that move. And in addition to that, it was the way, um, I was able to, to receive the money for, for school and just those resources that, that were, that, um, that were placed that were, I say, God sent to, to, to make that journey.
1: For you, were you a biology person? Were you a, uh, 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 organic chemistry person. What what type of uh, student were you?
2: I would say organic chemistry and physics was a no. My major was psychobiology.
1: <laughs> I was okay. more into
2: the biology part.
1: That was the one reason I actually got into WashU as uh, because I wanted to be a chemistry biology. You... I could not deal with biology.
2: <sighs> chemistry me and chemistry. Oh boy. <laughs>
1: uh now here you are now you're graduated and then from that point on what made you decide to move back to LA was it just job opportunity did you have family there what made you come back to LA
2: yeah it was just um I didn't want to stay in Michigan anymore because um that just didn't that just wasn't home for me LA was still home and I just loved LA and also a big part of how of where you go after medicine is where you where you get your residency. And so uh, I was able to practice, have my residency in Los Angeles,
1: the Los really Angeles good. area, Long yeah. Beach,
2: and um, yeah, so I was able to come back home.
1: Oh my gosh, because you could have easily been sent over to let's say Florida or New York or Chicago. you were lucky to be paired up. in. If uh, I
2: had had applied to those schools and those were on my list and I could have ended up in other places, uh, in other parts of the U S. Yes.
1: Yeah. Have you always, I mean, at what point were you a Christ follower where you came to know the Lord?
2: Raised in a Christian home. Um, Father was a pastor and grandfather on both sides of my family. So very much um, part of, of, of life was was trusting in the Lord, and it became personal to me as I was growing up. But I knew I began to understand it more what it meant to be a Christ follower. I say, I would say in high school, and then yeah. it's just as as you go through different phases and different things that happen in life, it just solidifies as you continue to learn more about the Lord solidified my own relationship with Christ
1: Very very good. when I ask you this as a doctor what how do you integrate your faith into your work as a medical doctor every single day because I here I am sitting there you are a highly intelligent person you're very very confident but you're not arrogant. what does it mean for you to integrate your faith into what you do every single day as a pediatric doctor? So
2: the way I integrate my faith is that life is a lifestyle that I live and through each interaction with my patients. Mm -hmm. I'm a Christian first, and it's just important for me to to show those to, to show those principles as I'm interacting with each of my of my patients. So to show the kindness and the love of Jesus is is what is what I do. And if patients have questions around regarding faith I have no problems with um, with uh, discussing that but that's how that's how I integrate my faith is just through is through my walk
1: yeah yeah and yeah. also I think a lot of times the one thing I've been telling a lot of times with different people is you love the Lord you're serving but unlike your dad you're not called to full-time vocational ministry but the Lord has specifically designed and called you with the skills to become a medical doctor. It's not better. It's now lower calling than pastor, whereas your father, and for many of us, your husband on that is called to full-time ministry. You're actually called to ministry as a medical doctor. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of times, how do I use those skills to continue to serve the Lord in everything that we do?
2: Well for me I also um I, I pray for the wisdom of the Lord when I'm when I mm-hmm. interacting with with my patients and to be able to give them wisdom especially my 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 teen patients yeah. I um, see a lot of children that have different mental health I- issues or just even um, problems that are that are just in their day to day the day to day lives and I pray for the for for wisdom and, and guidance and just things that that, that will be helpful for helpful for them to do and, you know, open up their eyes on how they can change some of the behaviors that they're doing to help out, to help them to further themselves. And I consider that ministry as well.
1: Yeah. Dr. Graves, whereas some pastors, a lot of times in the midst of counseling, you, they don't want to bring their work home with them and allow them to affect personally for you as a doctor. How do you train your mind, your heart to walk away where you love your parents, uh, your patients, you care for all of them, but you sometimes have to let go. How do you deal with that on a daily basis?
2: So it's not something that you, you learn immediately. I think through train through starting with training and through medical school and then through residency, you learn how to compartmentalize because you have to, to have some sort of boundary between work and home. Otherwise, you can be very much overwhelmed all the time, and it's not that you can just turn it off either. Because I often do have those some patients that you're like, okay, I'm kind of worried about them. I'm kind of concerned what's going what's going on, but it's something that you have to train yourself to do to be able to to be able to care, but then also to be able to focus on home.
1: Yeah, yeah. Was it hard for you as an individual to have hard conversations with parents or kids, is that something that you had to wrestle through and work on?
2: Yes. Well, it's, it's difficult to have hard conversations. we're saying hard conversations with, um, if you're talking about a diagnosis or if you're having to bring, um, attention to a developmental issue that parents don't want to accept. Yeah. Um, those things are hard, but coming from a place of I'm desiring the best for you and I'm telling you this information so yeah. we can better help your child makes it easier for those tough conversations to be had. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then I come with the stance of that. I'm work, I'm partnering with them and not the this is what I'm telling you to do. This is what you need to do everything yeah. so parents are able able are more able to receive what it is that I have to say what uh
1: what 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 made it hard what, what were some of the challenges that you had to face during COVID even right now a lot of times things probably have changed a lot of times since pre-COVID
2: so COVID was very challenging and we're still um still kids are just in positive right and left and the first challenge was it being in position of having to have that distance with patients Correct that we did not have to have before. As many colds and coughs that children get, it's like um, they're so common, but then for that type of symptom of a cold or a cough to mean so much to be like, is this COVID? Are they gonna spread spread it? Who else has it? Who's spreading it? Can they cause more illness to other people? So it caused a a lot more fear and a lot more distance um, from from between, I would say, between doctor and patient. A lot more virtual health was happening. So that was a big
1: difference. Got it. Now, are the masks, are they gone or they're still there? Do you still have to wear a mask every no, single day? we,
2: we wear masks at all times in the clinic. And we oh. do require our patients to wear masks as well, yes.
1: Would that ever change, Dr. Graves?
2: You know, I don't know. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to change design to, uh, anytime soon. But we are definitely still masking yeah. in clinical clinical settings.
1: And even something simple like, for instance, whereas before parents and kids could come in and now different rooms, now you've had to limit parents coming in with kids and interaction with all of that too, right?
2: That was one of the things that were that was limited when the COVID surge was the highest. Now our those um, restrictions are not as as strict as yeah. they were at that time. You are able to have more than one, per, one more than one parent. I have both parents, and also can be clinic dependent. But still, they're not to the same. Um, they're not as lax as they were before, as far as yeah. how many people can be in a room in a medical setting.
1: Now, Dr. Grace, for instance, I, I am not a doctor. I don't understand it. I have dear, dear friends. I have an, one another friend, Stephanie, who is also a pediatric doctor. As a doctor, wh- what goes on mentally, emotionally? Was that something that you or different doctors have to deal with, especially in the last couple of years, just the mental health, the emotional health that you have to deal with every day?
2: Oh, definitely. It was draining, very draining. And first, it was produce a lot of anxiety because it was like one day things were normal and then the next day they were not and everything was shut down and we were hearing about a virus that we were going to need to diagnose and be in contact with in addition to learning about this, the virus, in addition to questions about vaccines. So it created, a, um, I would say, some some anxiety and stress just on on how much we did not know, and we're learning in real time. So we were in positions that we hadn't been before, you know, the medicine that we had learned is things that was already discovered, researched, we know this works. And then in real time, we're seeing a virus and then, um, how, how to treat and what it's doing. And then it was different from other viruses because it did a lot of different things in a lot of different people.
1: Our podcast for Together LA is called The Listening Tour, and the whole idea is what does it mean to listen to Christ followers who are working in all aspects of our life, not only just pastors, not only just teachers, marketplace leaders, but even uh, and professionals like yourself, because when we all live out our faith to what God has called us to do, we make the cities that we live in a better place in how we serve as well, too. Um so for you as well, too, does your family still live in the Crenshaw area? Yet? Do, you, do you still have a lot of fr- uh, family there?
2: I do have some family there. Uh, my church is there and family still in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah. With Crenshaw, how has it grown? How has it developed over the last? What was it before compared to what it is now? What has developed over the last couple of years or in the last decade or so?
2: So there's been a lot of increase in different uh, different type of businesses in the area. There's new hospital there's um, just a lot of um, influence interest in arts and there's been a lot of buildup in the area.
1: Very, very good. Yeah. And so for you, I mean, even you mentioned a lot of times your church, West Angeles church, your husband, pastor Wilford Graves is there. How do you find, like, for instance, taking aside your role as a doctor, where do you find yourself embedded into the church? What do you find yourself doing? Because you're probably, you have a busy schedule a lot of times.
2: I do have a busy schedule and I do participate as far as a, as a, as a member of the church yeah. because I am so busy, but I do do other things as I am called upon.
1: What do you enjoy doing? So, done, like-
2: so, so I have done, I've done some, some teaching about medicine. Yeah. And I've done some volunteering and I also am going to be doing something new. It's kind of being welcoming our visitors. And so those are some of the things that I do.
1: I have my friend Bob Dahl who works at Wall Street, right? And you would think Bob says, well, you know, naturally you would think I could either be an elder or in charge of finance. He enjoys leading the choir every single week sometimes you just do something completely opposite than what you're supposed to be doing every single day.
2: Yeah, and that's what's the neat part is it's like we're really multi-faceted people.
1: Yeah. Uh do you miss I mean like for instance you find yourself missing teaching the kids do you still naturally gravitate towards teaching the kids at, uh, ch- at church or anything?
2: I have, but I haven't been doing that recently, but I do miss <laughs> teaching kids.
1: You got it. You got. It. Okay, so how do you If if you were to give someone uh, advice about balance, you're probably busy. My friend Stephanie is always busy, and her husband now has carried the load with some of their kids and everything like that. He has a more flexible job. How Mm -hmm. do you find balance in your life where you're able to rest but take care of home and be involved in church and have a personal life but knowing that you have a rigorous schedule? You're seeing patients all the time.
2: So it it is hard to find balance, but it's important that if I know that I'm being, I'm going, 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 then that I know to rest because that's also something that God has called us to do is to, is to have that rest that, that we need to recharge. We definitely, I definitely um, do that and practice, and practice that. And I also try not to become overcommitted. Yeah, yeah, that's very yeah. easy to do with not wanting to be altruistic and not wanting to wanting to say no and want to do all the things. But I do have to be very careful about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you a couple of. Fun my husband helps. <laughs> I'm sure. Let me ask you some fun questions as well, too. Uh, what is it that you enjoy doing for fun? What's a hobby that you enjoy doing?
2: Oh, there's so many things, but tr- definitely traveling.
1: OK, where's your favorite place to travel to?
2: Oh, so many. I want to travel new places. So the, the best trip i say will be our Europe trip. We've been to France. That was cool. Yeah. Um, beach locations are definitely fun. And like the things that I like to do here, going to plays.
1: Oh, really? Is like, oh. Okay. Is there a play that you've recently seen that you really enjoyed that you, in LA that you recommend?
2: Oh, I think it's probably gone now. We just saw the play come from away and that was really good. Um let's see the old ones like Phantom of the Opera and Lamez. Yeah. Like those are all good. Like Loved Hamilton, Wicked, like all, yeah.
1: <laughs> all the big ones. Dr. Graves, are you a Disneyland person?
2: I enjoy Disneyland. Haven't been for a couple years. Looking forward to going back, but um Fun fact is uh, I, my proposal was at the one of the Disney castles.
1: Seriously, really? Yeah. Pastor, so Pastor Wilford Grace proposed to you at the Disney castle? Yes. Wow. Very. Did you know it was coming when he uh, was he, about to propose?
2: He w- He kept it a surprise.
1: So did he have camera crews everywhere all surrounding you guys all prepared for this? He
2: did not have camera crews, but he had people taking pictures. So it was definitely documented.
1: Oh, we, we definitely have to talk. I did not realize about this. Very, very good. If you went to Disneyland, what is your favorite ride?
2: I like, um I was say I like It's a Small World.
1: Okay. Very, very good. All right. Growing up in Crenshaw, if I was to go there and you still go back every single week at church, what is a restaurant that you highly recommend that you just have to go and visit a local restaurant in that neighborhood Ooh,
2: that you just have to go well i would say two of the ones that we frequent because husbands from hubby's from new orleans is harold and bells yeah. and another one is Doolins.
1: okay what kind of food are both of them
2: harold and bells Creole food or Cajun food and then the soul
1: food. Got it. Got it. Got it. Um, what is your advice? I have a couple more as well too. What is your advice for women leaders like yourself to be successful in the world? What is one advice that you give to all women listeners who are listening today?
2: Wow. So for women leaders, is just to keep going after what God has given you to do. Got it. Is there's always going to be um, obstacles, all different types. But if God has given it to you and you know that's the truth, then keep working the plan to get to that goal.
1: Yeah. And you are a great example of that because I've watched you and listened to your journey being a teacher, going through med school. And here you are and working with those long hours as well, too. Uh, yes. Last and final question, because I've always wanted to know this. So as a doctor, when you're about to deliver, right. And it's a 18 hour delivery and you're dead tired. How do you keep yourself awake?
2: Okay. So like if I have one of those overnight situations, just push through, (laughs) you just, I mean, like some people did, did coffee, coffee just would make me more anxious so you just get up, drink water, walk around, and usually the adrenaline kind of helps you to yeah. stay awake.
1: Doctor Graves, my first daughter, it was about thirteen hours. I was dying. I was so tired. <laughs> yeah. She's- yeah, and then
2: sometimes it's just around around the hours of two to five where the yes. body's natural circadian rhythms kick in. That's the toughest. That's the toughest time if you kind of can push through. You can kind of get a second win.
1: You're you're so right. She came around 6:15 in the morning, but man, that two o'clock, three o'clock, I was struggling. I was really having yes. a hard time there.
2: Yes, the two to three o'clock hours. Those are those are rough.
1: Yeah. Okay, and Dr. Graves, I will say this, and as we wrap up here, one of the things I realized having my first daughter, and it's it's not as sexy as they make it out look like a tv because at the end of the day with all the stuff that you see and it just wasn't what i imagined at the end of the day
2: there's a, a lot, lot entailed yes. <laughs> there's definitely a lot and that all of it having children and then just the day-to-day parenthood day-to-day yeah. there's a lot involved
1: Yes, 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 yes. yes. Well, Dr. Graves, thank you very much. And I appreciate you taking some time off, especially on your day off for us to talk about. So thank you so much.
2: And thank you for the invitation.
1: Talk soon.
2: Okay.
0: Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Together LA Listening Tour. To stay connected, make sure you subscribe to the Together LA channel, rate and review this episode. And make sure to share on your social media platforms. We would love for you to follow along with Together LA on Instagram, Facebook, and our website at www.togetherla.net. See you next time!